Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you this morning for your presence in this place. Thank you for a gathering of those who love you and welcome you and worship you. We pray that your Holy Spirit continues to do the work which has been entrusted. That he would turn the hearts of men back to the living God. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path, giving us understanding and allowing us to understand the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Salvation to all men. Joy and peace and goodwill. Be glorified today, Lord, and allow us to draw near to you, allow us to serve you in the manner that pleases you, and allow us to be prepared for your return. Fulfill your purpose in our lives, in our families, and be glorified upon the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Can't help to read the story of the coming of Jesus and really continually question how this all plays out in a storyline that seems to be full of controversy and trouble. Can't happen to notice that everything is severely broken and out of place, welcoming the Messiah to the earth in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. The story of Christmas is told through the gospel of Luke in a manner that allows us to see the descriptions of the time and place. And it says the the time came to pass in those days that a a decree, a governmental law went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. And so we see the political atmosphere in the time of Jesus' birth, knowing that the Romans had occupied that entire area. And that, that speaks of political unrest in regards to time and season, which we have nowadays also in various respects. This census that took place while Quirinius was governing Syria In verse 3 it says, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. This is the second part of the story that causes an issue because it wasn't the most appropriate time to travel for this young couple, Joseph and Mary. Things out of place politically, things out of place geographically. They didn't have to report to their town. Verse 4 says that, Uh, Joseph had to go up from Galilee. If you are in that area of Israel, you know that Galilee is about 60 to 90 miles north of Bethlehem. The city of Nazareth is where Galilee is, and he had to move to his hometown of Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Again, uh, the inconvenience in an inappropriate time to travel because he was of the house and the lineage of David. 
he had to move in a direction that was out of his reach in the physical. They had to make for transportation. They couldn't call Uber. They couldn't catch an airfare. They couldn't catch a train. Uh, the mode of transport is a donkey. Verse 5 says, he went there to be registered with Mary. We know the complications that come as a result of catering to the care of another person. He was betrothed. He was engaged to be married to her. And not only was he engaged, but she was with a child. So the complications are through the roof and uncomfortable. Um, if you know the story, um, it was a supernatural impartation and being conceived of the Holy Spirit to give forth uh, to this child. Verse 6, while they were there in Bethlehem, it was the time for the baby to be born. How many know that babies don't wait? Right? They're coming, they're coming. Last week's ordination with Jules was a birth and a lot of people says, why didn't they call me? Well, you're out of luck, my friend, because the things in the spirit are birthed by God. The coming of Jesus will be the same way. You're not going to get an email. You're not going to get a notice. I hope that you are where you need to be because you're not going to get a special invitation. And, and so even the week before when we did the candlelight service, there was no notice. And we just had it. And those that were here celebrated the light of the world. Last week was the ordination. Well, here it is that um, they were days before she would be giving birth to deliver her child. As I see these things and I read the Christmas story, there's like a punch in the gut every two sentences. Like, why don't things fall in line that like they should? Why weren't they married before the baby came? Why didn't they get to receive the child in a comfortable place? Uh, those that bear children like to fix a room. They like it to have all its amenities and the nice colors. Uh, they like to have a gender reveal party a couple of months before to make sure that the baby is well received. But not in this Christmas story. Verse 6 says she was expecting a child while they were there. Uh, it says the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths. Um, the, people who, the people who talk about this incident talk about it being the the beddings of giving birth to lambs, when a sheep gives birth to a child, she wraps it in swaddling clothes. It was the material that was not to wrap babies, but to wrap the lamb of God, the, the offspring of sheep, and laid him in a manger. That strikes as odd also, because a manger is a feeding trough. It's where you put the hay that animals eat, not a newborn baby. So you see the Christmas story is froth with things out of place and things broken. 
and they explained why he was in a feeding trough, an animal's feeding place, because there was no room for them at the inn. There was no nobody welcoming him in a place where a child might be born, where a young girl might give birth to her firstborn, where an expecting father would have made room and availability. So we see this is, is all broken and out of place. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby keeping watch. And that is not the usual welcome that we have of complete strangers come and see this child. Verse 9, an angel appeared before the shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, greatly afraid. But the angel said, do not be afraid. The announcement in verse 13, do not be afraid for this is the coming of great news, good news. The word gospel, for those of you that don't know, is the Greek pronunciation of of good news. There's a declaration, a proclamation of good tidings that are to bring great joy, which will be to all people. And, and this is where I believe our Christmas message has its greatest declaration. Christmas is a celebration of things broken no more. Where there has to be an understanding that we are saturated with brokenness. But Jesus has come with the good thing, uh, the good news to repair and restore and heal all things. That's the declaration. It's not a ritual. It's not a ceremony. It's a reality. And so here in that situation, the declaration was great joy to all people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company, verse 13, of angels appeared with um, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The saddest thing that could happen upon the earth is that you do not know that Christ has come to heal broken things. That Christ has come to address areas of our life that we thought nobody would notice. This expression of brokenness is a reality to all men. Verse 15, when the angels had left, they said to one another, let's go. And let's go talk, let's go consider these things which have been told to us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had happened and told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed 
at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured these things up in her heart and pondered them. Verse 19. She held them close to her heart and considered them. Verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 we have a little bit more of this story telling us a little bit more of the uh, of what was taking place during the Christmas season. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary with betrothed engaged to Joseph before they even had intimacy she was found of a child by the Holy Spirit. And so I want to suggest to you that the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst to do great things of God. You must invite him and welcome him to do the work of God in your midst so that you could find the issue of God a reality. Verse 19, it says that Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example to be... uh, expecting a child but without being married he was going to put her away secretly verse 20 Uh, these are all issues that occur even in our day at the beginning of our church uh, one of the young girls um, came to our church and she said I'm pregnant my boyfriend uh, and I were together and now we we have we're going to have a baby going to be born in a couple of months and what do you do when you have something that is broken and out of place it's not working like it should they're not following instruction Um, they have all the right ingredients for destruction and and I said Lord what do I do we're a young church we're just starting out we don't need problems we don't need additional Issues in our ministry and the Lord says receive and welcome her for she is a precious daughter of mine Isn't that powerful? While some people are trying to arrange getting away from problems getting away from broken lives The church of Jesus Christ has open arms For controversy for things that are out of place It's super powerful to see the spirit of God in our midst. And while he was secretly going to put her away because of the social disruption, verse 20 says, while he thought these things, an angel appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take to you Mary for your wife, for which is in her conceived is of the Holy Spirit. God wants to do something. Verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus, for he is coming to save his people from their sins. That's the announcement. That's, that's, that's the controversy. We are experienced deeply in the sorrows of man's brokenness. Uh, we love to tell the redemptive stories of how the Lord heals that which is broken. He restores those things that are in ruin. He begins to repair those things that are out of place. 
That is the glory of God. To save people from their sins. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. The Bible establishes that if God is with us, who can be against us? If God has decided to come in and it is known that we let him in at the last hour many times. It says in verse 24, Joseph being aroused from his sleep did as the angel Lord commanded him and he took his wife and he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, the wise man from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And so all of Jerusalem troubled with him. And when he had gathered the chief priests and the scribes, all the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ would be born. This, this is religion at its best. All the religious leaders of Jesus' time missed the birth of the Lord. They weren't waiting for him, but when they were approached to ask, where is this king of the Jew going to be born? Verse 5, they responded, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, just like the prophets have written down. And so the religious people, a lot of time, know all the religion, but they don't know all the reality. And so they knew the place where it was written, verse 6, you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So we see this whole development of trying to find out where the child is. The political party in Herod wanted to stop the government and the kingdom of Jesus. So verse 7, Herod says, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and says, go and search out for this young child, and when you find him, bring back word to me that I might come and worship him. That is a lie. Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child Remember, now he's not an infant, he's a young boy. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, not the stable, not the manger, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had come to them, uh, opened their treasures, they presented him with a gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Christmas story being revealed Verse 12 says they were divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, but that they should depart for their country another way. 
And so in this regard, in verse 13, Joseph is told by an angel, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And there is all sorts of persecution. They have to leave to Egypt until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And he rose and took the young child and his mother by night, and they departed for Egypt. And when, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Verse 16 says that Herod found out that he was deceived by the wise men. And so he was exceedingly angry and sent to put to death all the male children who were born in Bethlehem in all their districts, two years old and under, according to the time which was determined by the wise man, a total massacre of young children by the hand of a wrathful government and ruler. Verse says, verse 18 It says, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And so we see the Christmas story begin, and it's fraught. It's it's drowned in brokenness through and through. Those things which are damaged, those things which are out of place relationally. And... I want to tell you that for a long time in my life, I would, see, I would see these aspects of this life and it caused a lot of damage in my heart. Now, the first thing that I would determine broken was my parents' marriage. Didn't understand why two people will come together to have children to spend a lifetime of disruption and argument, divorce and separation. But I've come also to understand that Jesus has come to heal that marriage and to heal the brokenness of that devotion between one another. That's one of the things that struck me the strongest when I became a Christian. I have put away God. I was telling the people last Wednesday, I had put away understanding God because of the intensity of the things totally destroyed in this world. Uh, I didn't understand for a long time why my parents' uh, marriage was totally broken. After 25 years, they have come to the conclusion it would be better to not be together, to not have a family. And so the brokenness of their marriage led to the brokenness of our family, the disruption. I was like, you know, who am I going to live with? And where is Jules going to go? And where will Leanne end up? And what's going to happen to Raul? And so the fragmentation of our family was a disgusting sight um, to our community that a lot of people didn't know what was happening behind closed doors, but every time the doors would close, we would see the disruption and destruction of conversation. And the most uh, crazy things would be uttered out of the mouth of those called to live in harmony. And so not only was their marriage broken, our family was broken, communication was broken, our hearts were broken. It was a devastation that we would swear we would never be married again to go through that hell upon the earth and to despise what God had created to fill the earth with joy and with peace, with goodwill. The brokenness of divorce, the brokenness of family, the brokenness of hearts, 
led to a brokenness of our worship. We stopped going to church. We stopped thanking the Lord for his goodness in our lives. Um, that would lead to brokenness in finances. Who, who is going to be able to fund a house divided? And so you see poverty is an issue when brokenness comes in. We don't have what sh- could have, would have, and should have been. And, and so we had seen the contemplation of taking our lives. Suicide was a contemplated thought when there's a broken heart, when you don't have hope, when you don't have faith, when you don't have love. You're looking for the future of, of things disrupted severely. Depression. That caused a... A devastating effect when I was I was 10 years old uh, I remember that I was introduced to my uncle he was my favorite uncle when I was uh, in my early ages up till 10 years old around 11 or 12 I found out I would never see him again and then you're like what who did the cookie monster eat him how did he disappear it was divorce it was a separation and I would never see that man again who uh, was introduced as an uncle, and he was my favorite uncle, and he had a lot of money and gave it to me, his favorite nephew, and, and so when you see that that caused uh, poverty in my life, <laughs> bankruptcy, a sabotage where these people that have affected relationships in their youth could never repair again, and they sabotage their future relationships, fiancés, and and. Dreams come true. Broken hearts lead to broken finances, leads to broken dreams. Uh, I was just recently talking to a man. And he says, after hearing you preach, I think it was, it was Pastor Jose Rivera. He says, and I think he mentioned it, when we went to this Chick-fil-A retreat and we went up north and all of us pastors were together for so many days he goes I realized that the devil had stolen my dreams I never as a child I had so many desires to fulfill and to experience in this I had dreams of of greatness dreams of fulfilling powerful things upon the earth and and that that was stolen from his heart stolen from his life um, a lot of people are broken in their sexuality. They cannot see things normal. I, I grew up in a private school, and I look now um, at the picture in fifth grade when we were 10 years old. And a lot of those little boys that grew up with me and young girls today are homosexual, and they live with a same-sex partner, and they were not able to fulfill God's design for family and children and grandchildren. And then our our childhood hero, Bruce Jenner, becomes uh, a woman in his grandfatherly age. His sexuality is so broken, he goes around dressed like a woman. And his children have to be embarrassed about the brokenness of his gender. And coming to see grandfather and seeing him dressed like grandmother. And it's a devastating scene on the horizon. But Christ has come 
in a powerful disposition. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is 1 John 3, 8. All those who walk in sin, if you're, if you're intertwined with all that causes things to go wrong, these things are of the devil. It's the devil who came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. It's the devil who came to steal the sight from the blind and the hearing from the deaf and the brokenhearted. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. He's the expression of everything broken. For this purpose, the Son of God has come. Can you say with me, this is his purpose? He has come that he might destroy the works of the devil. Where we can proclaim healing to the brokenhearted, sight to the blind. That he is deliberate and intentional to address those things which we would otherwise walk away from. He has come to destroy the works of the devil. He has come to address those things which are out of place and twisted. A lot of the biblical text says he took upon him all our curses that we might receive all his blessing. He came to take upon him darkness that we might be light. And so these works of Satan, wherever they are and however they're illustrated, a lot of people want to blame God for that which is broken. God, look at this. You're responsible. And you can say this, God, look at this. Come and heal and restore and renew what has been broken, what has been destroyed, what has been affected. Now, I had a, a friend of mine. He would be married, and this is a reality. His smile did not fit on his face because it was the joy of the wife of his youth. And then one day that he is out of his house, some other gentleman came into his house. And when he returned, he saw his young wife having intimacy with another man. And in the destruction of that marital infidelity, my friend would never smile again. His joy was taken. The destruction of his early marriage would be no more. You see a young man whose father is a Christian pastor and he's proclaiming the gospel and holding himself out to be a expression of decency and light and he comes home unexpected and he finds his father in a bed with another man what level of destruction could happen in this world when satan has his way i want to tell you something it's crude it's rude it's vulgar it's the worst of the worst but heaven is not above these things with respect to addressing them He's come to break the yoke of sin. He's come to restore broken things at levels you didn't even expect. I, I love to hear people tell me their brokenness story. They're like, look what happened to me. And they start, and then I said, hey, let me, wait a second, let me call somebody for you. 
And I call another person. And when they start telling the story of their brokenness, they're like, I'm sorry, I have no problems. Everything is fine. Everything is good. Because truly, the expression of brokenness in this life is crazy. Here I have this uh, John chapter 11, verse 2. This story of a, a young lady who comes and wipes Jesus' feet with this incredible alabaster bottle. I, 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 he listening to the story of a young girl that was born in a home and her mother kept on switching boyfriends and every single one of these relationships, this young, beautiful girl was being abused and molested and raped by all these men. By the time she was 10 years old, her mother had abandoned her and left her with one of these stepfathers that was an older man about 60 years old. She's 10, 11 years old. She's being raped every night by this man. And the man says, look, this is a gun. Put it under your pillow. The next time I come to abuse and rape you, you shoot me. 10-year-old girl with a gun underneath her pillow and with the inability to shoot this man who continuously raped her all of her life till she was old enough at the age of 15, 13, 14, 15 years old to run away. Only to find a young man on the street that couldn't be a husband, that didn't have maturity to continue to bring instability and financial ruin to her life. And so she sat in front of my desk at my law office at the age of 35. And when she told me her life story, I felt like it was a porcelain jar that was thrown against the floor, broken in a million pieces. Who could put it together again? Can you say with me, Jesus? Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one that could heal us, restore us, repair us, and return the joy of our salvation. The only one. The Christmas story is not addressing the niceties of the heavenly chorus. But the deep darkness of sin, the desperateness of broken lives. Matthew eleven five. 5. John was seeing himself in, in jail, in prison gates. That makes for a, a brokenness of heart. A despair in this life, prison, jail, captivity. And so John the Baptist sends to Jesus and saying, Is it you that comes or shall we wait for another? Are you the one that is able to address the brokenness in my life? Or shall we wait for another time and another season? And Jesus tells the disciples that came and asked, Tell John that the blind see. Tell him that Jesus has returned sight to the blind. Those that didn't know how to walk, walk. The lame walk. Those that are unclean, lepers, who have profound addictions, are cleansed. 
tell him that those that don't have an ear to hear the gospel, the good news, the life, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised, and the poor don't have to be poor anymore. The good news is proclaimed to them. And you see what Jesus is trying to tell John. He's trying to tell him the Messiah has come. The king is here and he's taking care of business. He's addressing all those things. Acts chapter 3 verse 21. He will continue to address broken things until the times that everything that is broken is healed. This was spoken out of the mouth of God through his holy prophets since the world began. Jesus must be received until the times of the restoration of all things. If you feel that part of your life which is broken, part of a friend's life which is broken, part of a family member's life that is broken is unhealed, sit back and watch. Watch what God is about to do. He's about to establish a kingdom of peace, joy, and righteousness in the midst of deep darkness. He says, how will we come into these things? Verse 19. Get your heart right with God. Turn. Allow your heart to turn in the direction of God. So that those things that cause brokenness will be blotted out and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This Christmas season is glorious because of the greatest story ever told. But it is more glorious if you welcome the work of that child that has come to the earth to repair that which is broken. We don't understand how things get to where they are. I was talking to some friends. I'm saying I'm surprised that you grab an infant child and by the time he's 20, he hates God, he hates his family, he hates church, he hates life, he hates school, he hates all the expression of this life. That's brokenness. Those are things that are not repaired. Isaiah 61 Verse 1 says, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me with the anointing to proclaim good news to the poor. Some of you have never experienced anything but financial brokenness. You can't believe that anybody would have their finances in order. I've come to tell you today, the Lord wants to heal your broken finances. Things out of order, things lacking. It's telling people, couple of weeks ago that God's measure for your finances is abundance. What's that mean? That you have enough to give other people. That you have enough to see people during the Christmas holidays. Last night we did this. We went to Starbucks. There was a young girl there. You can tell she's working extra hours for Christmas. And we went like this and we gave her an extra $50. Go get your presents for Christmas. She freaked out. Who are we? We are the ones that follow him who repaired all things. 
We are the ones that are bringing joy and peace and goodwill to all men through the sufficiency of Christ that is in us. We don't need another present. We don't need another gift. We need to shine with the spirit of the Lord during Christmas. We must proclaim God's goodness. There's no selfishness living in here. The proclamation of what was broken in my parents' marriage served the purpose to proclaim healing to hundreds of thousands of marriages upon the earth. Our Savior marriage program has healed the hearts of all men. I was rejoicing even this week as I had a couple in my office. And he says to her, you're fat and ugly. And and she says, but you're bald and a midget. And I said, that makes for a great marriage. Just tell each other what you think. No. No. And a thousand times, no. We're not broken anymore. We're not to continue to break what God has given us. Broken relationships with our dad. Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You will realize that the greatest gift God gave you was a dad. And when he's missing, you will cry the rest of your life. The bitterness of resenting that relationship. Because the devil has made us comfortable in our brokenness. I was talking to somebody last week and they were dying to tell all the woes of their life. How are things going? Horrible. Well, tell me about them. Everything is awful. I can't stand this person. I can't stand that person. I hate this person. I hate that person. I hate life. I hate school. I hate work. I hate food. I hate everything. Congratulations. You're broken. You're broken. God wants to heal you this morning. Christ has come to heal you. If you let the spirit of the Lord come upon you. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61 verse 1. To proclaim good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captive, to release those that are in darkness for as prisoners, to proclaim the year of God's favor, the day of his vengeance, to comfort all that mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. No more Cinderella. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. That they might be called strong oaks of righteousness planting of the Lord. To display his splendor. To rebuild those things which are broken. To restore the places long devastated. To renew cities that have been devastated for generations. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Let's stand this morning. If you haven't heard the gospel this morning, you're deaf, you're broken. Psalm 51 verse 10, the psalmist would say, create in me a pure heart, O God. Don't let brokenness filter and interpret life. Don't let my broken heart, my rejection, my hurt, my pain describe what is going on in my future. Clean my heart, Lord, from all impurity. If my spirit has been crushed, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Fix me, Lord. Everything that causes tears to be shed, hearts to be broken, lives to be ruined, Christ has come to make whole and healed in Jesus' name. 
How he does it, I can't explain. That he does it, I know for sure. He's able to take it to a repair that is stronger than has ever been broken before. Last, yesterday I visited the hospital. It was an elderly lady. She had fallen. She broke her leg. She says, it's the third time I break this leg. And she says, now the Lord is teaching me why this leg continues to break because I'm disobedient. Because I go where I'm not supposed to go. I don't pause. I don't contemplate. I don't ask. I just rush. My whole life, she says, has been defined by disobedience and stubbornness. And now the Lord is confronting me with this area of my life is broken because I'm disobedient and I'm stubborn. But she says, Pastor, these days that I've been alone in my hospital bed, in my hospital room, the Holy Spirit has pressed upon me that I be stubborn no more, that I be disobedient no more, that I not suffer continual loss of brokenness for not waiting on God. And I, I just want you to begin to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, and I promise you he's going to start addressing the depth of those things affected. Well, then you need to get saved. That's just Siri. Me and her, I'm, I'm trying to evangelize her. And she might know the Lord. Could you bow your head this morning? And just welcome the Lord's spirit to be in that area of brokenness. The area of your loss. Your father died. Your child died. Your dreams died. Your heart was broken. And he's come into this world to heal, to fix. Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, minister to the hearts of your people that our lives might be healed and restored for your glory, that we might shout praises, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill, great joy to all men because Christ the Messiah has come. He's come to deliberately and intentionally restore everything broken. We can proclaim in Jesus' name the restoration of all things. That God is real. That he is a reality that will and his hand moves in the direction of that area of our lives that is most devastated. He can sympathize and have compassion on us because he was tried in every area and found without sin. He knows our suffering. He visits our calamity. He is close to the brokenhearted. This is what draws him near. He's not challenged and overwhelmed by those areas of great and profound pain in our hearts. Lord, heal the smiles. Heal, Father God, and restore the joy. Restore every area where the enemy wanted to come and break and ruin and destroy and bring profound suffering and shame. And we declare the acceptable year of the Lord. 
restoration and healing. Land of Beulah, no longer desolate, no longer abandoned, no longer forsaken, but wedded in the beloved. Holy Spirit, do your perfect work. Allow us, oh God, to express great joy and deliverance in the midst of suffering and inconvenience. In Jesus' name we pray in the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.